0: Welcome to the CMU Now Show, a monthly segment on the KAFM Community Fairs Hour, where we interview faculty, athletic coaches, and students to keep you up to date on what's happening on the Colorado Mesa University and Western Colorado Community College campuses. I'm Kelsey Coleman, along with my host, David Ludlam. On today's show, we're talking with Professor of Political Science Tim Casey about an interesting course he's teaching this semester. It has to do with politics and children's lit.
1: And Doctor Casey, thanks for being with us. I am really excited to jump right into this topic because just the other night I was watching the the Lorax uh, with my two girls, and we paused it because there it was so rich, and there were so many messages embedded within that that great story by Doctor Seuss, and it reminded me of my childhood too of, of reading the book. But can you just kind of talk about? that book in particular and and you know are you focusing on dr seuss or in, when with when it comes to children's lit like where what are you focusing on in this class and why
2: sure well i want to uh, first say thank you for having me here on the show i my uh, relationship with public radio goes back Over 30 years, I was a a DJ and a news reporter for a public radio station in Flagstaff when I was an undergraduate. So it's good to be back in the studio. It's like coming Um, home, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's good to be home, exactly, on public radio. And anyway, to to answer your your question about the the nexus between politics and children's literature— In Dr. Seuss in particular, that's a really interesting story. It's one of my favorite stories. Um, It was written in 1970, uh, shortly after the Earth Day and sort of the revival of, uh, you know, environmental themes and so forth. And, And a lot of Dr. Seuss's literature does that. Uh, that's one of the. Th- Doctor Seuss is actually a unit in the cl- in the class, so there's it's oh, okay. so common that we spend time talking about the Lorax well, and, and the Sneetches the right? and a wide variety. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. a perfect question. But it's really also the thing that I'm hoping that students get out of this class. In addition to sort of learning something academic and you know, it's, you know checking a box on their program sheet and all the rest of it. You know, exactly what you're talking about, being able to have these conversations with our children about what they're reading, what they're watching, what they're, they're thinking about. We have a really broad definition of literature that includes film and literature uh, in that course. And all of it's fair game, and students are constantly talking about how they're applying this class immediately to what they're, what they're dealing with every night uh, as, they, as they tuck their kids into bed. So it's, it's really exciting to, to see people doing that, even that aren't in the class.
1: And are the students at this age, are they familiar with doctor Seuss? I mean, I. I obviously am growing up in the 80s and 90s, but are they? Yeah, is it new content for them? Or?
2: I no, I think you know. I mean, in our public schools, it seems like every year our, my kids were celebrating Dr. Seuss Day somewhere around the hundred hundredth day. There's another big day yeah. that they celebrate uh, in the elementary schools in District 51 and so forth. Um, I, Dr. Seuss is is just perennial. I mean, he's it's one of the reasons that we do a single unit just on Dr. Seuss stories is because everybody knows them, and, and uh, it's not
0: going out
1: of style anytime soon. Yeah, no, right. no,
2: no. It's yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I mean, you know, some promises. of some of the issues, you know, some of the portrayals might have gotten a little dated and in our understanding of politics, but uh, really the key themes, these ideas of personal responsibility in Lorax, you know, in addition to the sort of political themes that people think of it with environment are important.
0: Well, you are listening to CMU Now on KFM Community Affairs, and we are speaking with Professor of Political Science, Tim Casey. Well,
1: Dr. Casey, going back to the Lorax, I think everybody's familiar with that story, but... Were there other areas that that Dr. Seuss was interested in exploring politically in his career? Were there other times that he focused on, I mean, outside the environment? What what else were you exploring in the Dr. Seuss unit that you referenced?
2: Well, it's really interesting. That unit, uh, we look at Both the traditional children's stories that people are familiar with, you know, The Sneetches, uh, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, these sorts of stories, uh, Oh, The Places You Go that everybody gets when they graduate high school. So the students always love that because they just got that Dr. Seuss (laughs) book, you know, six months before they got into my class. But... Uh, we also look at Dr. Seuss's early work, which uh, a lot of people are less familiar with. Uh, when he drew cartoons uh, for uh, political cartoons um, to try to encourage people to get uh, get the United States rather into World War II, he was appalled at what he saw happening in Europe, uh, and even more appalled at the United States not engaging. So he uh, he drew a lot of cartoons, and it's really funny to see Horton. Uh, you know, the elephant uh, show up as India or the kangaroo as Australia or whatever.
1: Well, and I want to ask you kind of a tough question. It's probably not an easy answer, but you bring up this idea that Dr. Seuss is weighing into on um, political issues of the day around World War II and global affairs, but also on later on in the environment. Focusing on the World War II, how do you draw a distinction in your class or how do your students perceive the difference between, your know, propaganda and and a message, you know, that might just be embedded for a lesser purpose. Or, do you have that discussion? What does it sound like?
2: Yeah, we sure do. Uh, we talk uh, at a number of levels. Uh, you know, I always tell my students in any of my poli-sci classes that propaganda is something that other people do. You never meet somebody that says, I do propaganda. Right. It's always something somebody else does. So it's a bit of a loaded term. But we do talk about this messaging and who gets to determine that message. Is it the person who selects the book? Is it the author's intention when they put it into a book? Or is it this, uh, the child when they read out of the book? And that, that actually always creates a lively discussion among the students.
0: And I, I feel like this topic is very timely right now, right? We have an election coming up. And are you finding that this class is actually always full, not just this this semester and And why are students interested in it? I mean, uh, of course, you have students who may have kids, but then the traditional student may not. So why are they interested in this topic?
2: You know there's a wide variety of answers that students give me to that question, but I ask them that right out, you know out of the gate, why why are you in a class like this? Uh, you know beyond being a required class uh, for our curriculum, Uh, Not every student has to take this particular class, but they have to take a class called a milestone, which draws together two different topics that wouldn't normally be thrown together, uh, and the students have to learn how to integrate information. So it's really a critical part of what we teach here at CMU. But beyond that, we have students that are interested in teacher ed. There's students that are interested uh, because they read to, a lot of people talk about reading to their nieces and nephews. For some people, it's just a return to a simpler time, um, and so they they kind of like that as a as a refreshment. And
0: I imagine you have a a bunch of teacher teach like students who are going into teaching, right? And mm. the responsibility that comes with being a teacher to young young kids or any age, but what what they choose to put into their curriculum is a a big reason why they want to join that class.
2: It seems like it or at least they'd like to think through the implications some of them have never really considered that there are implications with every book that we choose to put in the hands of our children and so I don't focus on what's the right thing or the wrong thing to or tell you how to what book to put into the hands of your children but I try to help give them the skills so that they can uh, understand what they're doing uh, when they engage children in this really critical formative years that's that's the heart of it it's it's those early years where we really develop our political understanding of how to behave in society more broadly not, whether we're a Democrat or a Republican, but how to behave, and that's that's important.
1: Well, you mentioned giving the students the skills, and earlier you mentioned this idea that it's a sort of a combination of the author's intent and how it's interpreted. And you know, I was thinking about—I think it's—you know—Tolkien was always saying. The Hobbit was never an allegory. Quit saying that, but everyone assumes it was. And, you know, he's gone, so we can't ask him. But how how do the students come down on that? Is it typically, is it the author's intent? Is it their interpretation? Is it both? Do you help them navigate that tricky water and... Is, that, is there ever an outcome at the end of the class where people land on one side or the other?
2: I don't know that we, we come down uh, with a, a definitive answer. I don't generally try to look for consensus in my classes yeah. because I think the diversity of opinion is really what, what makes a rich democracy um, possible. So, um, but I think the students are very concerned um, with how people select. I think that seems to be, you know, like where librarians or parents uh, do the selection process.
0: You are listening to See Me Now on KFM Community Affairs, and we are speaking with Professor of Political Science Tim Casey.
1: You were talking about the the selection process, and it seems like all parents at some point self-select the movie Peter Pan. And I think, (laughs) you know, it's an interesting story because, on one hand, it's got an important message about, you know, men growing up and 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 things like that but on the other hand I think the way that Disney I think everyone agree portrays some of the characters um, there's some in racism that's built into the movie as well and how do you do you talk about that kind of stuff in the class in terms of if a movie has a, a great message but maybe it's got some problematic things too that aren't in alignment with the values of the culture how does that work in the class
2: sure I think that's um, I think that's the invitation that we have then to engage the children or engage the parents who are making those selections in thinking about these questions. What are the values that come out of these children's stories? What are the values that come out of these films? Uh, And Peter Pan's an excellent example because there's some really what most people would agree very good messages uh, that come out of that in terms of growing up and understanding authority and that sort of thing. Uh, But then there's also you know, uh, uh, racial portrayals of, of Native Americans that are, are not particularly flattering in the Disney version of that film anyway. Okay. So it, it it can act as both an example for good uh, themes and bad themes. Uh, but that a lot of that comes from the students. The students get to decide what they think is a good or a bad theme. I, it's not something that I dictate to them.
0: And what do you, during this discussion in the classroom, how... Because I imagine our listeners right now are hearing this like, oh, I just watched Pan last week or, you know, I'm I'm definitely going to show this to my kid at some point. And in your professional opinion, what like what do you do? Do you show the do you show the film? And like David talked about Lorax and how he had that conversation with his kids to kind of get the deeper meaning or do you just put it on and. Let them figure it out themselves.
2: Well, I think, you know, we always assume that, you know, most of our lives are sort of innocent of these questions about politics. And, of course, maybe it's an occupational hazard on my part, but I, my kids will, you know, complain that I even think the color of a cereal bowl that they choose uh, has meaning. <laughs> and they're like, no, it's just a cereal bowl, a Dad, color. really. It's nothing more. Um, but I think it's important not necessarily to drive ourselves crazy about these things, but to be aware of the influence that things that we think are, are neutral um, have. So that's, that's really what I'm trying to get across in this class for the students is to think about the consequences of choices that they make. Um, and and we, we talk about really big broad picture questions about should books be banned and that sort of thing. And what is the value of banning a book for managing a society versus having independent freedom? These are really important questions that I don't think there is a right and wrong answer di- directly.
1: So do you feel up to talking about Pinocchio for a minute?
2: Sure, I will. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm so I'm so happy
1: we're having this conversation because um, I got the old eye roll from my own kids when I was talking about Pinocchio. And I, I was telling them, this is one of the greatest movies ever made because, you know, this got these ideas of having a higher aim. And, and you've got, you know, Geppetto looking up, up at the star and... And you got um, wooden boys wanting to become real boys, and how do you manifest yourself into real from something hollow and fake? I, I just love Pinocchio. Do you have any thoughts about the film, or do you talk about it in the class, or do students ever bring it forward as as, a, as an allegory that's worth talking about?
2: You know, Pinocchio doesn't actually come up as nearly as often as some of the more Frozen seems to make it a lot more oh, okay. on the list than Pinocchio. <laughs> but that may it's just be what Frozen. the yeah. students have access to. Um, but you know, that's there's a perfect example of where. You know, the question of truth, which is fundamental to Pinocchio. If You know nothing else about Pinocchio. You know it's a question about truth because his nose grows when he tells a lie, and and that's the fundamental, you know, the importance of telling the truth. But truth is a fundamental concept for relationships, both personal relationships and broader social relationships. And so, you know, it, it has implications if people adopt a Pinocchio attitude of telling the truth whenever one can, that has an implication on how our society runs in the future. So, yeah, I think Pinocchio would be a great one, but it just doesn't make it on the list nearly <laughs> as much for the students. Again, the students are the ones that bring those experiences and the one the stories they want to talk to talk about are usually the ones we talk about.
1: Well, I think Kelsey raises a good point though, and a good question for parents It's not easy to answer because like like she referenced, I stopped the movie to talk about being in the belly of the whale, and they're, they're irritated, and they just want to watch the film, and it's hard to know as a parent where you go with that, but it's a really interesting conversation we're having today.
0: Well, don't go anywhere. We are going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. You are listening to CMU Now, and we are with Professor of Political Science, Dr. Tim Casey. Dr. Casey, I'm wondering, so before the break, you mentioned how students bring the, their own material to class. You don't necessarily assign certain books and certain movies for them to discuss. And I'm wondering, have you, was there a certain student that brought a piece of material to class to, to talk about and it just kind of erupted and was really interesting and it just kind of really started everybody getting on this crazy conversation?
2: Well, you know, there's certainly a lot of um, stories that are brought in, but um, the one that comes to mind immediately is Mulan. Uh, when we're talking about gender roles, Uh, in children's literature and and how we know what a a boy or a girl or what genders are. Um, Mulan is one of those stories. And for those of you that don't know the Mulan story, it's a a young woman who tries to um, defend China by joining the military as a young man, uh, dressed as a young man. So it's kind of a girl empowerment movie at one point. That's how some uh, students look at it. But then other students are, you know, question that, because at the very end of the film, Mulan just kind of returns back to her life instead of taking on the role that's offered to her as the advisor to an emperor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so she has the opportunity to break the glass ceiling and sort of backs away from that. So students bring that as both an empowerment movie for young women and a, a reification or, or a re- re- revisiting of the um, same roles that we've always had, a traditional gender roles where women are subservient to men and don't belong in the political sphere. And so it's a really good example of one that goes both ways at the same time um, and gets lively conversation going every time we talk about it.
1: Do you see in, in the class and in conversation this chronology of that issue evolving over time? I, mean, I think back just anecdotally to the, the the Disney movies like Cinderella and Snow White And the the female characters of those movies, and then today you see um, the character in Brave, and Mm -hmm. you see um, some of these hero uh, characters in the in the same kinds of films. And then maybe in between you have Ariel, Mm -hmm. who's in. I mean, how have you? Is there a progression of 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 this issue tracking the culture?
2: Yeah, and in fact, I think we do. You know, when people will bring in one of the questions that I ask them to uh, to reflect on at one point in the class is show uh, portrayals of uh, people from, or, you know, like a woman from a different era, so they might bring Snow White in, and then they'll contrast that with Brave, for example, Merida in Brave, uh, and so you really see the difference, and, and how this changes over time, and how our thinking about what is appropriate for our children to see changes as well, so definitely Mulan is on that, on that spectrum of moving towards a, a more, uh, robust understanding of what a young woman can do compared to, say, Snow White, um,
1: and the the idea that um, literature changes over time is interesting. But what about just literature in general? I mean, the importance of reading. So I think you know a lot of times the way that we absorb media right now is passive. We're listening to something or watching something. I don't know from a cognitive standpoint how kind of what kind of brain power has, that takes is different than reading. But is there something special about literature, children's literature specifically, reading? That, that you talk about in, in class? And is it different?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, that's a critical element of the class is to not just talk about the content, which is mostly what we've been talking about here so far, but really the process. So toward the end of the class, we talk about things like, how does handing a book to a child help prepare them to live in a democratic society? And the answer is that democracy is based on informed public, and the, the way you get informed on your own is to be able to read about it. And so that active engagement is really teaching political ideas to the children already, which is you need to be informed. You need to learn about your world. You, ne- you can have opinions, and you can learn about other opinions by picking up yet another book. So it really does. The medium does make the message.
0: And I think it's, that's such an important part of this class, right, is that, you know, in in this world, it seems like everybody's yelling at each other, everybody wants to be heard, but really what your class is teaching is you're allowed to have different opinions, you're allowed to think differently, and it's okay to talk about them and then end at a different result.
2: Yeah, I think that's absolutely critical in all of our classes. We really, it's, it's important to engage in these conversations, so I'll loop back to David's uh, example at the very beginning, what what was really neat to hear was not so much that he was watching the Lorax with his children, it's that he was engaging his children in a conversation about that, because that's really what is going to preserve our democracy, preserve our society, is when we engage with each other about conversations, and if we have differences of opinion, we recognize that and, and celebrate that that is part of who we are as a democracy. Having all the same opinion Um, you know, that doesn't work out very well for Yertle the Turtle or any other.
1: (laughs) Dr. Casey, I'm going to have to eat some crow if my wife listens to this uh, edition, because I remember, you know, she's a kindergarten teacher, and we would read, you know, five books a night, you know, from the time they're born to the time, you know, um, they got to be uh, advanced toddlers, say, say, and, and sometimes I'd grow tired and She'd always persevere, but I have a new appreciation for maybe what that means based on what you just said. And, and, yeah, tying it to democracy, I mean, that's a really, that's a heavy sentiment, but it's one that seems like really relevant to, it's a great course. Yeah. Raising children
2: is the most revolutionary thing you can do. It really is, because we transform the world by how we set our future with our children.
0: You are listening to CMU Now on KFM Community Affairs, and we are speaking with Professor of Political Science, Dr. Tim Casey.
1: Well, and as we come to the end of the, the segment here, I think uh, Kelsey and I planned a, a surprise attack on you with a special question. I think she's going to lob <laughs> at you here. So are yes. you ready for that question? So
0: <laughs> I, I'm curious, you know, you're, you're having these students come in, bring the, this literature, these movies that really impacted them or that they feel strongly about. What, what book from your childhood would you say really altered how you or really shaped who you are in this moment?
2: Well, in some sense, I could say every book that I've read, because no, the, the no, act of no. reading. But <laughs> that's a cheap answer. Um, the one that comes to mind immediately is is The Little Prince, uh, which is a story about a little boy who goes to several different planets and discovers different ways that government happens on these planets, different ways the societies are organized, and I think it just really sparked a curiosity in me about the different ways we might organize ourselves which is ultimately what I've gone into as a life's career. So in some ways, the children's literature that you read might very well change the course and direction of your life. It's that important, and that's why I think it's worth getting everybody to reflect on it, both with this podcast and also with uh, you know the class that I teach. I think it's really important to, for us to think about it, and what, what you decide when you're done thinking about it is up to you.
1: Do you allow uh, staff to join your class? I think I might want to sign You'd up. You'd be most
2: welcome <laughs> okay. in my class at any time.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Thanks very much.
0: The segment airs on the second Tuesday of each month on KFM Community Radio. You can also listen to a podcast of today's show on kfmradio.org. I'm your host, Kelsey Coleman, along with my co-host, David Ludlam, and we will be back next month with another edition of CMU Now on the Community Affairs Hour.